Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch community, and welcome to episode 99 of the 167 podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor of the Porch Community Church, and I'm here as always with my good friend, our media pastor, Josh Harrell. Hey, Josh. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? It's going great. We're going to party like it's 99. Yeah, the Prince song? Yeah, just just 99, not yeah. 1999. Just we're going to party like it's 99. What was yeah. Yeah. It was 1999 in the yeah. song. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Seinfeld episode about the millennium. I I thought you were gonna say when you talk about Prince, I thought you were about the poofy sleeve shirt. Or, yeah, but yeah. But there was there was uh, like <laughs> probably the best millennium episode was uh, uh there was a Seinfeld episode about the they were already at like the beginning of 1999 they were already scheduling their millennium party. <laughs> and like Newman oh, yeah. had his own party and Jerry was. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, and there was a big yeah yeah I do remember that yeah yeah. Yeah, once ninety nine hit, everyone was like talking about two thousand. Oh yeah, yeah, I do remember that for sure. Um, and I love how Seinfeld is like making its comeback around for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what's kind of sparked it to. I don't know. Like it's always one of those. Uh, I'll watch a couple episodes. It's probably taken the place of some of those other shows people watched a lot of, like The Office or. <clears throat> I, I guess Big Bang's still out there floating around. Yeah. Or How I Met Your Mother, that was one a lot of people mm-hmm. watch, but I don't know. They're, well, they're the really, humor, it's the humor about yeah. it that I think for a lot of people, they just are like, I don't get it. But For Seinfeld? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah I, I do. I, love I get it. that a lot easier than, than The Office. Like, the humor of Seinfeld. <coughs> and, Excuse me. Like, those 90 sitcoms mm-hmm. are my, like, Frasier, Friends, uh-huh. Seinfeld. Like all those are those right are your must see TVs. Yes, that were like Thursday nights. NBC Thursday night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, there we go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Now you know. The more you know. Which was also an NBC. NBC. <laughs> <laughs> this episode sponsored by the National Broadcasting Company. So someone right now. Dum dum. Yeah, someone's going. Is that is that what NBC stands for? I didn't know that. So. Yeah, it used to be just a radio station. Uh, yes, it sure did. Um, so we're doing this Leviticus companion. We are. Yeah. Is there anything else we want to talk about? Oh, I I just want to put out this like PSA. Yes. If your child has a TikTok, mm-hmm. don't just follow them. Take mm-hmm. their actual phone and see what they have posted. Okay. Because you can segment you can segment your audience to have specific audiences see what you want them to see. Oh, okay. And. I'm just putting this out there as the guy that's in charge of the church's TikTok. Yes. Go look at what your kids post. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Is that how that goes? Yep. Okay. So now I'm I'm not on... I, I think I have a TikTok account, but I don't use it or I'm not on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple of friends that send me things they think are funny from TikTok, yeah, yeah. and so I think that's why I have it. Um, but... So I don't, I don't know this. So I'm guessing like if... <clears throat> if Someone is. Do you follow in TikTok? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if someone's following the porch on TikTok, I can. They, you can see what they're doing. Yes. And um, so because I don't follow anybody back hardly at all. Right, because you're as the church, church yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but you s- still would see things mm-hmm. that's like in your newsfeed, kind of yep. like on Facebook, I guess. This so. person follows you. You might like it. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. 
So just okay. be aware. Students, right. the church can see what you're posting. Okay, excellente. So keep that in mind. I'm, I'm really wanting to know the backstory. I will find out later. So We will not talk about it on the <laughs> no, podcast. No, so, we will not. But now we have a lot of people intrigued. Yes. And they're probably going, Junior, get in here. I don't, I don't even know if they... Like in the car? It's their fault for naming them Junior. <laughs> just Junior. Not like a something Junior, just Junior. That's your fault. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, back to Leviticus. <laughs> We're doing this uh, series companion. Um, and I thought I would start out today um, with thoughts on Leviticus from the viewpoint of a 13-year-old boy. Mm. Who informed their parent... Um, on Sunday, um, when asked what did they understand about, it's stupid, it's stupid, we don't need it, Jesus took care of it, we don't need it, it's dumb. So, that was, so, I guess that just could have been what I said the very first week of the series, and then the companion podcast, and we'd be done. Yeah. So there's really no need to even have today's episode based on 13-year-old boy point of view, which, actually, I kind of get... Oh, go I, ahead. I mean, so sorry. Yeah. Well, it's funny because that's the exact antithesis of what your message was on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's the direct opposite of what your whole message was about. Oh. And kind of the series. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been talking about why we need to know this. Right. But but and I why get, it's I, important. Yeah, right. I get that. But I get the. But does it matter? Well, it matters what Jesus did because of what was required. So, yes, it does. It does. So. Um, and Sorry, thirteen-year-old boy. <laughs> so I mean, but I think to be fair, it, it's it's diff it's a difficult book to stay with. I mean, Genesis has just it's got all the Genesis accounts, so it's all the new births, the new lives. Mm-hmm. Exodus even gets kind of hard later on, especially when you get into the the specifics of uh, the tabernacle and yeah. building the tabernacle, and so you start to really like get into like slowing it down and this detail and numbers and words that you don't know you know what's a cubit you know like no one knows and so there's all these things that you're like it it makes sense you know um and and so those kinds of rules and information um you know the details the cleanliness the sacrificial requirements all those they really are so far removed from the life that you and i live Mm -hmm. i mean completely removed from it, I mm-hmm. mean, really, and so it makes sense that that we would either struggle to understand if we want to understand, yeah, or that we would just go, I really don't want to understand. Like, mm-hmm. why, why bother? Like, what what is the present day value to our life? You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of the deal. Um, and so, you know, it, it would be it is easy, I think, to just take all of that and and like just chuck it into a box and go, all right. And then, you know, like whenever you're moving and pack it up and label it and then just write on the outside with a Sharpie, like, you know, things Jesus made obsolete. Yeah. <laughs> and just stick it in the corner and be like, it doesn't matter anymore. But like you said, we talked about Sunday, a Leviticus does equip us to, to read and understand one, the new Testament. But then I, today I want to talk specifically about some, some stuff out of Hebrews that makes it just so alive because a lot of people think that Paul might have wrote Hebrews. It's really there's really no like definitive answer on that. So whoever wrote it, 
whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, um, there was definitely an expectation that you can see in the writing mm-hmm. that whoever was reading that letter yeah. knew the Old Testament law. Yeah. Because um, there's just so much, you know, allusion to it. Like, there's so much, like, here you go, here you go. And so, um, alluding, I said allusion, sorry. Um, I knew what you meant. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> so, to know and to follow the Old Testament and, and have its contents kind of firmly in their brains was what the writer of Hebrews meant, uh, intended as they wrote. Like, okay, they know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's no different, Josh, than me coming to tell you a story about Mallory and instead of going, okay, I have a daughter. She's 11 years old. She was born, you know, and on this date. And then mm. her name is, and you're like, I just have to say Mallory. And you're like, yeah. got it. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's maybe a horrible example, I, but like, that's what the author of Hebrews was saying was like, you know, Leviticus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll just say the law. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, uh, was it basically, I, I know it wasn't as common as everyone having a Bible in their hands, but did mm-hmm. everyone have like a, like a specific <clears throat> version of like, I would, at this point I would say the Torah? Um, by the time Hebrews was written? Yeah. Yes. The synagogues would have their Torah. Um, if you were. Uh, but it was kind of canonized for that time frame. Yeah, I mean, extent. it had been copied and written, yeah, and yeah. scribes had done that. And um, I don't know if you remember hearing this, but Leviticus was actually the first book mm-hmm. of the Torah that a young man would learn in yes. school, which was only about learning the Torah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, you're going to go do math and in history, and then you get recess, and then, you know, a little Torah. No, it was like school was Torah. Yeah. Like, that's all it was. So, um, yes, wherever you would go to temple, or I guess they would call it temple, um, they would, that was there. They had this. They had this. Um, And even before they even had it in written form, most definitely um, the oral tradition, you know, the passing Mm -hmm. down of the stories was there. Now, but you got to think when it comes to the law, it was like, no, this needs to be. Written, uh, down, written down, and everyone and, has yeah. the same co- like kind yeah. of the same copy. Because imagine getting it wrong. Oh yeah, know, or, 100%. or reading it wrong, or yeah. understanding it wrong. So, um, so when you think about all of this, um, the opening chapters of, the, so I'm I've been saying every week I think, um, hey, read the book of Hebrews while you're re- if you're reading Leviticus, read Hebrews as well, um, because the opening chapters of Hebrews are filled, this is why I think I had the word illusion in my brain, they're filled with these these allusions to and these quotes of the Old Testament. They're, they're all in there. And so the author of Hebrews wants the reader to see the, the book of Hebrews as a reflection on what went on as like the foundational principles of Israel. But he wants them, like we've been talking about, to see it through the cross, filtered through the cross mm-hmm, of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Um, because that is the whole point. And, and, and that's kind of the frustrating thing, I would think, is that all of this is laid out from, from Old Testament to New Testament, from the law to the fulfillment of the law through Jesus, and yet there is a massive group of people who don't recognize Jesus as Messiah. Right. 
Now, I'm not throwing shade like, like, how dare they? Because I think there's a lot of people that have know all the details about Jesus and still are like, eh, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. not like a judgment thing. But it that's got to be... It's just, it's all laid out. And it's mm-hmm. like, if you just, if you look at the facts and which is why Paul's uh, conversion was so great and why God used him in such a great way, because he was the, you know, the, the Jew of all Jews, you know, as he called himself, you know, yeah. he was like, and so yet Jesus grabbed hold of him and he saw the, the fulfillment of all that law that he knew in Jesus mm-hmm. and, you know, ultimately, you know gave his life in in all that um okay so back to the idea of hebrews so so the author of hebrews wants the reader to see the book as a as a reflection on 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 what is happening on on who israel is see it through the light of jesus and the theme is really simple um i think when you when you boil it all down and that is the simple fact that jesus is the better version of everything that came before. Well, yeah. It's like, whatever it was, how wonderful ever you thought it was, Jesus is the better version. Mm-hmm. And those are all just signs that are pointing. Mm-hmm. You know, just those... I have... Well, every time I say that, I picture like that finger sign that's like the lights are all around it, like a giant finger, like cartoon finger. Yeah, like the like neon. The point, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I just picture that like going, here yeah. you go, pointing Jesus. Um, well, every everything in Leviticus is... M- man's failed attempt to measure up mm-hmm. and then jesus comes like yeah you couldn't do it i knew you couldn't do it here mm-hmm. i am and i think too and we'll probably get to this in a minute but was also to to show the high cost mm-hmm. of yeah. what it meant to be in right relationship mm-hmm. definitely um high cost so in one sense hebrews um i think might I don't know if this is, <laughs> but it might help us feel better about putting some of these sections of the Old Testament um, in the box of obsolete things. Like, okay, so we don't have to talk about you can't mix your threads anymore or what happens nocturnally, you know, like those kinds of weird things you don't really want to talk about. Yeah. You know, um, let's just put those in the box of Jesus you know, took care of all that. Um, because if we think Jesus is a better version of everything, which we do, um, then... If he's better than everything that the laws of Israel were meant to accomplish, then do we really need to pay attention to it? Which goes back to the whole quote I said at the beginning of the 13-year-old boy. He was like, it's dumb. Yeah. It's I, I mean, I totally get where that, yeah. that kid's coming from because, I mean, it makes sense. Why do you need to learn something that Jesus yeah. not did away with but fulfilled? You know a question I've been wondering? And I, I, don't, I don't know if I'll get the answer at all. Uh-huh. Is do you think anybody dipped out on this series because it was on Leviticus? I don't know. They're they're not listening to this, so they wouldn't come to <laughs> well, you. Well, no, but and I don't know how. I don't even know. I would love to hear from from y'all on this, but like, so when we like promote a new series and we're like, hey, the next series or the current series is Leviticus, you know, or sometimes it's like a name, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys know, do you guys keep that in mind? You know, like, are you thinking like, oh yeah, we're in this series. Like, or are you just kind of like, do you just, we go to church, we're going to go to worship and whatever's Mm -hmm. preached is preached. You know, that's good. But like, I I wonder like the mindset, because I'm just so in this world of, you know, I know by series and what we're doing and everything. And I'm really out of touch with that. 
Yeah. I would be really interested to one know how people like how engaged some people are. Are they like, yeah, we're in this series? Mm-hmm. And then secondly, was is anyone like, oh, that series is oh, okay, well, I'll call me when it's over. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I wonder. Yeah, because I'm out of that thought space too. Like it doesn't to me, it doesn't matter what the series is. Yeah. You know, even if I even if I wasn't a a paid staff member, it, the series wouldn't determine whether mm-hmm. I was here or not. It, I would think it, and I could be wrong, I would think that a series might be intriguing uh-huh. initially. Yeah. Like, oh, that'll be, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, it wouldn't make a yeah. break. But to go back to the whole point of if, if the mindset for a lot of people is, well, Leviticus is just like doesn't matter, then, you know. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, but Exodus, you know, you know, Genesis, I mean, those have been fulfilled as well. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That's just but a random thought I had. But there's good stories in yeah. Genesis and Exodus. <laughs> oh, there's some stories in Leviticus. Oh, I know. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? I No, I do. I the, very much do. Name the last movie that was made out of Leviticus. Oh, uh, gosh. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, there I'll you get go. back with you on there that you one. Go. Yeah. Um, so, um, where were we? So if Jesus is the better version of everything that the laws, like I said, the laws of Israel were meant to accomplish, do we need to pay attention to it? And and I, the answer, I believe, is yes. Yes, we do, because we're doing the series. But because the question that the author of Hebrews sets up in, in the early chapters is, how can we be sure? How can we be sure to get to that place, that, that place of relationship that God is creating? Um how can we get there? And actually, Leviticus doesn't uh, set the, the stage for this. It's actually the same question that you find at the end of Exodus before you even get into Leviticus. Because after God has given all that detail about how to build the tabernacle mm-hmm. in Exodus, um, he the whole intention of it, of the tabernacle and the specifics of it, is to be a place where heaven and earth meet. Where, mm-hmm. where perfection yeah. can meet there. And it was, in a sense, a recreation of the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve in the garden. So it's that back to that perfection. Um, and there's all kinds of symbolism in the tabernacle right. uh, that, that kind of, again, point people back to this is what God intended. This mm-hmm. was the relationship God had with Adam and Eve. And so he gives these instructions for the construction of the tabernacle. And what we know from reading the scriptures is that every last one was carried out to the letter. Um, and if I don't know if a lot of people have noticed, but and you see it also in Leviticus, is there's like a lot of repeat of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, like cleanliness comes up a lot in Leviticus. Um, Justin, this coming Sunday is going to talk about holy and unholy, which is so, it's different, but it's the same. Yeah, it pairs as as well with clean, clean and So, you know, you come around to that. And the same thing with the, the tabernacle instructions, they were given twice. Um, the, it was like a doubling up on the passages about putting the tabernacle together. Well, <laughs> it's like, well, how many times do you have to tell your kids to do something? Just once. Just yeah. once. She's got it straight away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I have like this, I could, in my sleep, I could be like, did you brush your hair? Did you brush your teeth? Did you deodorize? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yep. what I, 
and you don't forget your glasses. And those, one of those four usually gets forgotten. Yeah. So until I, yeah. So, so yeah, I understand the, the yeah. doubling up of I mean, instructions. So yeah, obviously if we have to do it to our, our kids, <laughs> I mean, there we are. Yeah. Right. So, okay. The big question at the end of Exodus then is, okay, how, how can, how can these people are, you know, if you're one of the Israelites in there, how can we, um, be at this place where, um, remember, you remain in this place where heaven and earth are supposed to meet this tabernacle that God has intended to build. How, how does Israel get back to the Eden relationship? Cause that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they enter the tabernacle even? I mean, if that's where the presence of God is, yeah. if that's where perfection is and mm-hmm. holiness is, how do we get there? Do you even want to, do you want to walk through the entrance to the ta- tabernacle? I mean, I'm a little bit afraid. No, right. Oh, no, <laughs> I mean, since the guy's got to walk in with a rope t- tied to him, yeah, or bells on, yeah, right. Like I, I couldn't. I don't know. I I have a lot of self doubt. Yeah, and so like I don't know if I'd want to be the guy that has to be so clean that he can be in the presence of God because if he's and if and he has to be confident in that because if he not if he's not he's dead. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's gonna fall over, right? Like, how how confident do you have to be that you are that clean and that holy? Which is, you know, what I talked about Sunday as far as the priests would just, like, seclude themselves for a week before yeah. the Day of Atonement. Um, I mean, so, I don't go 10 minutes without thinking somebody's stupid, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I was just, like, I couldn't be that, like, I would not want to be that person that's that got selected to go into the Holy of Holies because I would die. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was looking up because I, I'd read this several times in in all in my study for this series yeah. uh, on Leviticus, and and I do know that um, I'm trying to see I don't I don't have the reference in front of me, but I know that that Aaron is told to wear bells on his robe so that if basically if you hear the bell stop ringing, you know. He, he did. He's dead. But you don't read in Scripture about the rope. It was just tradition. That oh. that became a tradition um, that when the high priest went in for Yom Kippur, that there a, um, it depends on who you read, but some would say a scarlet rope tied around their foot. Mm-hmm. You know, just something to be able to pull them out. Um, um, which is the whole thing that we're talking about here. Um, and that way they wouldn't actually be, you know, because if you, if one of them kills over and you run in to get them, then you're going to, and it just creates this thing. But, because um, I mean, what do you, it became a tradition for a reason, right? 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 So I'm they were probably doing it. So, but I'm just like here's what here's where my mind goes. I'm like, okay, we well, you know Aaron was told to wear the bells, but then the the priest it's like, hey, let's tie a rope around my ankle. Like I'm gonna be like, are you sure you should go in there? Like, why do you need the like? <laughs> That's what I'd be doing. Well, so. you know, and I don't think there is any documentation in the Bible about this, but you know, there's got to be there's got to be some high priests that went in there that were not uh-huh. where they needed to be, right? And before the rope, how did mm-hmm. they get them out? And here's the thing, and this is the de- I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like that. That's maybe where they my wait until Yom Kippur's over. I'm not sure. But here's the deal: if if you go and 
look at Exodus chapters 28 through 35, which is a lot of chapters. Yeah. But it is very detailed on what a priest can and cannot wear. Mm-hmm. And nothing in there says tie a rope around your ankle. So technically, you probably wouldn't even be allowed to do that. It seems highly unlikely that God would allow that practice. But I don't know, because it yeah. seems to me that's like a... I was going to say scapegoat, which is also happens on yeah. Yom Kippur, um, where they let the goat go. But, but I'm just wondering. So I, I wanted to talk about that. Um, well, I'm glad you mentioned it, because it popped in my brain like two yeah. weeks ago, and I said, like, we need to talk about it's that. It's almost like saying... Even though God's going to do something, we still have to have our hand in it. Uh huh. To like get them out or whatever, and that God doesn't handle the whole situation. Yep. It's still like put. It's still putting ourselves on a little bit of a pedestal by allowing that rope, in my opinion. But then I also go. But I also don't want the guy. Like, does, <laughs> is he like engulfed in flames? Does he just get? You know, is he ashes? Like, Did he melt? Yeah. Yeah. Like what happened? Yeah. Is there a sneaking body in there? Yeah. You know, th- those are things that the Bible doesn't go into, but that's where like my brain really likes to live in, mm-hmm. is trying to figure out those things. Yeah. So I'm reading a couple of different things um, that say that the the concept of the rope was just a legend, um, and it didn't even start to become a part of the legend itself didn't even make its way onto the scene until long after the last Jewish temple was gone, mm. you know, the original temples that were gone. And so there, one, there's no biblical evidence for a rope, but there are for the bells. Um, and even the historical evidence they're saying that they're not really sure. There's a professor of, of, uh, Hebrew and early Judaism named, uh, W E Nunnally. And he says this, that the rope on the high priest legend is just that, a legend. It has obscure beginnings in the Middle Ages, and it keeps getting repeated. It cannot be found anywhere in the Bible, the Apocrypha, the Dead Sea Scrolls, Josephus, the Pseudepigrapha, the Talmud, Mishnah, or any other Jewish source. It is just not there. And it's quoted from... uh, a book uh, called "The Visions and Vanities." Uh, anyway, it's it's a quarterly journal, so I found that really interesting. So I don't know. There, that's quoting one person on that, but then there's a couple others. Um, Biblical Studies Foundation says that, um, yeah, that there's the blue ephod that Aaron was to wear with the bells. That's in Exodus 28, by the way. I said I couldn't remember where it's from. Um, and he only entered the holy place with the bells on, not the holy of holies. When he enters the Holy of Holies, he washes and wears the special linen garments, not the ephod with bells. Um, if there are no n- bells to jingle, there's no need for the rope either. <laughs> so very interesting because that's one of those things that I just have always kind of mm-hmm. been like, yep, sure. So so I was even wrong about the bells. It's just the outer, temp- not the Holy of Holies that he would yeah. wear the bells into. Mm. Which Do you know the phrase with bells on? That's it? No. I'll be there with bells on. Oh, no, what's that about? It's it's actually about settlers and and people pulling wagons. They would have bells on ching, to, ching, to ching, find ching. them at night. Yeah, but there, but people do allude to that it came from that, which huh? It could. Yeah, yeah. But so let's go back to this real quick. The whole point of the rope would be like, in, just in case I didn't do it right. Well, no, you don't go in there unless you've done it right. Yeah, I don't. Which again proves the high high cost. Mm-hmm. And a call for purity that God has in order 
for humanity to be in his presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like the rope would be an admission of self-doubt. So yes. you wouldn't get to go in. Right, because doubt's sin, Yeah. right? So yeah. And, and there wouldn't be any bells on either because that would be another yep. sign of that. Yeah, so we need to we need to make sure we we give a good heading to this episode that it's like, did the priest wear a rope and bells into the holy of holies? I don't know what you call that. So, with bells on. With bells on, <laughs> we'll just call it that. So okay, here's the deal. Um, the question: How 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 do how does Israel get back what God says is possible? Here's how you build the tabernacle. Then we get into Leviticus. Here's how you become clean. These are the sacrifices to be made in this temple that I specifically told you to build. And now, so it's like, okay, here we go. But it's like, who, how? And so mm-hmm. then you get that the priests, and that gets set up. Right, Mm -hmm. And there's not just any priest, but there is the high priest, Aaron being the first Mm -hmm. high priest. And so all of the sacrifices and all the stipulations for this ceremonial sanctification, it brings the, it's, it's this pathway going, okay, now we can be in the presence of God. And so there's this little bit of hope. There's, you know, like you're saying there's a chance, (laughs) you know, um, (laughs) that God's people can return to his presence. Yeah, but you have to do all these checkbox things. Yes. And that's the staggering reality that comes with this because the admission is very, very steep. I can't, I'm totally understating that. Mm-hmm. The, the burdensome price of blood and cleanliness, it, can you just imagine how quickly that would weigh on the hearts and minds of the people? I mean, I talked about that Sunday was Day of Atonement, amazing. All mm-hmm. of Israel cleansed of sin. Yeah. But then you got 364 days until the next Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. Can other can other sacrifices be made in the meantime? Yes, for the ones that you know of, for yeah. the sins that you know you've committed, yeah. that you're aware of. But, like, how would that just weigh on you? Um, and so by the time that Jesus comes along, um, even as like a baby promised Messiah, can you imagine the burden of sin that has been with Israel? I don't, I don't know if I could. I, I can't. I yeah. mean, I, I can't, but it's, it's huge, yeah. right? And so admitting that, we say, okay, Jesus came to lift that burden. Yeah. He came to remove that burden. That's exactly what the writer of Hebrews sets out to demonstrate when 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 he starts to write this and well, s- yeah well i say i can't imagine what that feels like i do have the series i have a jewish friend mm-hmm. and the series we've had a lot of good dialogue mm-hmm. and we brought that and i've had that conversation uh this this past week because the day of atonement was a couple weeks ago yeah, yeah 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 last week and uh uh we were talking about something and he's like every other day when when i sin or something like that he's like there's nothing i can do about it mm. and then the day of atonement comes and he's like i'm good mm-hmm. and then he tries to not sin as as mm-hmm. long as he can yeah and then once he does one he's like well there's nothing i can do about it let's yep. just live my life mm. And are you just like wildly raving your arms going, but Jesus, there's Jesus. I mean. <laughs> no, I know, I know. No. On the inside, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. So it, so like 
we talk about how much weight it is. Mm-hmm. Some people just ignore it because there's nothing because of the they can't fulfill those check boxes, so they just ignore it until right. that one day. Right, and so, and so I guess if you're even, uh, you know, remotely devout as an Israelite back then, mm-hmm. or I guess even up to today, but let's go pre-Jesus, um, you know, you if if you're trying to please God, then then the burden's there. Yeah, the burden's there. I mean, and and I would say. Yeah, you could try to ignore it, but if if you're like going, no, there's a God and there's sin and I've messed up and oh, and I can't make up for it and what am I going to do and the day of atonement's 300 days away and uh like it's there. Yeah. That burden is there. So I come back to that question of and I think it's the same question that people have is okay, God, you set up this so very specific way for us to be in your presence, but it seems almost impossible, mm-hmm. if not impossible. impossible. <laughs> and so um, there's this, when you, when you bring Jesus into the picture, all right, so talking about the book of Hebrews, go and read chapters five, five through seven, even it, it shows us how Jesus transcends. He is above even the highest priest. He is the high priest. He transcends the Levitical priesthood, which you have to understand, or we can try to understand is that was the highest of the high you could be in the as an israelite Mm -hmm. uh that's the close the closest you could get the 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 only one with the ability to save if you want to use that word um the people for a year was the high priest Mm -hmm. was the priesthood and and hebrews comes along goes oh yeah jesus and he's higher than the highest priest right so you that's got to be pretty um uh earth earth shattering uh news to hear if you're a Israelite. Well, I mean, it, it would person. completely flip the script on <laughs> the way me? they've lived their life, right. you know? And so, yeah, yeah. So where Leviticus sets up priests who had to purify themselves, you know, do the whole seclusion thing I talked about Sunday, um, they had to purify themselves before they could ever even think about purifying God's people. Hebrews gives us a high priest who doesn't need to be cleansed at all. Right. Because he's already perfect. Mm-hmm. He purifies his people permanently because he himself is permanently pure. Yes. Leviticus points out the fact that the high priest isn't pure. The high priest has got to do some stuff to even come close to being pure. Uh huh. And so that's game changer. It really and I, is. And I know that you know we're speaking to the choir here a little bit, but it's like the my reading of new testament scriptures since we have been doing this series uh, like my i just feel like i'm just in a little more of a wow factor mm-hmm. um and i don't know if that comes across in my messages or not but that's where i i'm just like wow yeah wow, 100 you know? um now i i said go and read chapters five through seven because it sets jesus up in in hebrews of being higher than the levitical priesthood but then when you even get into, like, Hebrews continues this argument in chapters 8 and 9 and 10 because it shows us how this covenant of holiness that is that, that God has, um, Jesus makes it better than the one that Leviticus laid out. And again, to us, we're like, okay, cool, you know. But it's it's like, it's huge. It's it's life-altering. Yeah. Um, 
it changed everything. Right. <laughs> and, and in case that connection wasn't clear enough, chapter 9 walks through these, in, in Hebrews, walks through the various rituals and these prescriptions uh, in, in the holiness code that Jesus undoes. Yeah. Right? Oh, uh, yeah. So it's like you don't have to anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's dumb. It's stupid. Right? Exactly. It, it, yeah. But is that but quote, maybe Jesus or the 13 year old? That's the 13 year old. But maybe it's a little bit more like, wow. We, we don't, don't have do to do that anymore. I know. Like, <laughs> it, it, and to put it in like a modern like viewpoint is mm-hmm. you take a devout Jewish person and a born again Christian mm-hmm. and you watch at the way they live their life and a Jewish person is full of uncertain uncertainty and do and doing things to try to live up to an expectation of a law that that they that they mm. really can't and then you have a Christian li- like living in grace you know just the mind yeah. and the heart set of, of those two different people mm-hmm. it's it's just seeing how much stress we we can live without because we're not trying to measure up to, mm. s- to a standard like that yeah the assurance mm-hmm. that that's there but and, and i'm not that i'm i'm not arguing your point at all because i know you're gonna agree with what i'm about to say is but there are still so many christians who live without that assurance i oh, mean yeah, these yeah, are yeah. people who are like yes believe in god yes believe in jesus yes i believe you died for my sins but it's like there's this cloud that follows them around mm-hmm. yeah and it's like they're living under that instead of living in freedom um, you know, therefore now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, as mm-hmm. Romans 8, 1 tells us. But they're, they're living like they're condemned people. Yeah. And um, that was not the intention. No. And, um, you know, I would even say, um, you know, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I, I grew up Catholic. I've mentioned that many times. And, and even in the Catholic uh, faith and doctrine, there's this lack of assurance on salvation in regard to the whole concept of this purgatory where when you die, you go there and, and if enough people who are still living pray for you, that then your soul will be, yeah. Right. And I mean, I just don't, I don't see that scripturally. So there's this lack of assurance. Mm -hmm. And then you include the priesthood in the Catholic faith, for example, where, they still kind of serve a role as a mediator mm-hmm. to where you go with your confessions, yeah. you know? And it's like there was this cloud hanging over that. And so I don't think it's just, it's not like not you were saying this, but it's not just Israelites. I think people who are trying to understand God can, because of our limited mind, then try to limit God. Mm-hmm. You know, for our limited understanding, then we limit God. And, and that's the whole point of Jesus is, no, I've, the limits have been removed. Accept mm-hmm. me. Believe in me. And 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 live into what I have for you. Oh, yeah. So um, when I said that um, how Jesus undoes a lot of those the things that we see in Leviticus, mm-hmm. what we find in the writing of Hebrews is that Jesus undoes them by, <laughs> this is t- talking about being obsolete. He just, he skips the earthly tabernacle. 100%. Jesus Jesus doesn't, he doesn't go and give up his life in the tabernacle. No. He doesn't. He skips the earthly tabernacle, the one that God had set up for the Israelites, and he goes directly to the Father's presence in heaven, the mm-hmm. real 
the real yeah. presence. Um, and in that place, his atonement is offered once and for all. So it's like he just skips over it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like this, okay, there you go. Put it in that box. This is obsolete. Um, and so I don't I know I've talked to several several people who have been like, you know, I love, you know, I've, I've heard from people like, I love the book of Leviticus, or people like, I love Exodus when we're doing that series. And I know other people are like, I'm reading through it. I'm getting through it. I mean, I think Leviticus has probably been the, um, the uh, culprit for, a, for, high, for, for a derailing a lot of people's, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year plans. Yeah, it's <laughs> I think some, it can be tough slogging. <laughs> yeah, and so I think for the people who have kind of gritted their teeth through maybe portions, especially the second part of of Exodus, and then getting into Leviticus, and maybe even into Numbers a little bit, I hope what you might find, listeners, is that Hebrews unlocks that a little bit. Yeah, pairing it with Hebrews, yeah, really opens the, the understanding yeah. of what Leviticus yeah. is. Because the the argument in Exodus and Leviticus was simply that, okay, if you do all these things right, then you can re-enter God's presence, but it's it's gonna come at a cost. It's gonna be real expensive. Mm-hmm. And um, the argument that Hebrews presents is that Jesus paid that cost and some. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, like when I used to read read leviticus when i would think about leviticus it, uh-huh. it was this used to be how you got to heaven mm, and, yeah, th- and that's yeah. really all it was you needed to understand this because yeah this is how it used to work yeah and now we have jesus it doesn't work that way yeah. anymore that's a good way to put that yeah and that yeah. and i need to know yeah. it because this is the process that people used to have to mm-hmm. go through yep yep so, so like kind of where that 13 year old is <laughs> i get it because yeah but then the brain of mine that goes, no, historical value is important. I need to know that this is how it used to be because this it is so much. More, yeah, it's so much harder than what we have to do. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to. Uh, I don't have really much more to add to today's conversation, but I did want to say this in regard to the priests and what they had to do to be purified, sanctified, set apart, all mm-hmm. those things in in the Levitical system that they had to do. Um, is that through Jesus, regular old people like you and me are now purified and sanctified and set apart, just like the high priest was. Actually, more so. And get to be in his presence. <laughs> yes, right. Um, so the that the old test, the old covenant, the old system that was there that you said that used to be effective, though as it was in as effective as it could be. It has been replaced. Mm-hmm. Jesus has come. He is the high priest, and he's not just the high priest, but he's also the sacrifice. Yep. Which is like what? Well, and and in that aspect, he blew up. The, like that's how he blew up the system. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, you need a high priest and a sacrifice. Okay, I'll do both. I'll do both of those. And then let that sink into your brain. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that. Like that's how he blew up the system. Yep. That's how you realized you were in the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, yeah. Anything else you? <laughs> no, I, I mean Leviticus. Like you can you can get super deep into Le- Leviticus and going and trying to understand all the nuances of 
how certain things carry over and how certain things don't. And I think you've done, you and Justin have done a fantastic job about explaining that. But I mean, it all starts with looking at it through the lens of the cross. Yep. And yep. then if you do that, whether you understand it all or not, right. as long as you come to the point that Jesus matters, mm-hmm. then you're okay. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I mean, yes, I believe that. I hope that's where people get. <laughs> yes. Because, I mean, you, you, like, you can get stuck on any one of the atonement, clean uh-huh. or unclean, holy or not unholy. Like, you can get st- stuck and bogged down in any one of those topics. Yep. But if you can find yourself back to Jesus, Mm -hmm. you got it. Amen. Amen to that for sure. Um, We are going to continue doing a 1030 service for a little while. Yeah. Switching gears here a little bit. Um, You know, I've said this the last two weeks, but as long as our auditorium is able to accommodate us in a comfortable way, we want to be together. So we're going to do that for the next uh, couple of weeks. you know, and um, hopefully we'll be back to two. I mean, it's not like we're, I just think it's good that we're together. Yeah. Um, the 930, both, you know, I just, it's just been good. It's been mm-hmm. really good to be mm-hmm. together. So we want to continue that. And um, I'm looking forward to our Porch Fest a lot. Porch and, Fest. And here's the thing, you know, we've got, we have some stuff we didn't have last year. Like we've got a, uh, like a petting zoo this time around. Yeah. Is that what you call it? Yeah, petting zoo. I don't want to clean that up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That grass will be extra green when spring comes around. Um, but we're going to have funnel cakes and, and lots of stuff. But, like, face painting and bounce houses and skull axe throwing and cornhole and and we got... Trunk or treats. And, yeah, and hot all. dogs, you know, free. Like, there's a lot of things chili. we're going to have. Chili cook-off. Be making your chili. So, I'm really excited about that. But here's the part I'm most excited about. And and probably I need to be do a little bit better of projecting out there is i really 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 want the people who call the porch their home their to, church yeah. to invite their friends yes invite people that you know who are not connected um maybe it's someone you've been like kind of you've been like their uh, free therapist or counselor for a while they're going through some stuff and they just need like a little bit of joy in their life. Maybe they've gone through a difficult time. Maybe they're just new to your neighborhood and you've met them and, and they're uh, just invite, bring people to come to something that's not intrusive, like where they might think, you know, they're, I know people's hangups about church. I mean, I had them, yeah. you know, I still have them. I mean, I'm a pastor and I have hangups. About oh, church, I do too. So, um, but I really, really, really want people to invite. So, um, do that, please, listener. Uh, be thinking about the person you can invite. So, and bring them along on October thirtieth from four to six p.m. That's a Sunday afternoon evening. Yep. And um, and yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. It's it's gonna be good. So so I look forward to that time together. So, porch community, thanks for uh, hanging out for this episode. Next week is episode one hundred, and we have tons of surprises in store for you. No, we don't. I have no idea what we're doing. So, um, but thanks for listening as always. We look forward to seeing you soon and talking to you again. Josh, thank you for what you do. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See you guys later. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you 
lives into the remaining 167 hours of your week.